0: Hello there, everybody. I am Joe List, and you are now listening to Mindful Metal Jacket. And that is something that makes me feel good that you're listening. I hope you're listening. If you're not listening, you're not hearing this. So you are listening. Oh, I'm stupid. But that's okay, because I accept myself. I should start this over, but I've already started over three times. If everybody, I should do an album of Mindful Metal Jacket intro outtakes. Maybe I'll do a Patreon of just the failed introductions. I'm sticking with this one, everybody. I'm not taking it back. Anyway, oh, I lost my buttery intro voice. Hi there. Take this moment to relax, renew. And ask yourself right now, what is wrong right now? And if you're honest with yourself, the answer is probably nothing. It's all just worry and anxiety. And right now you're fine whether you're driving or walking or sitting or having sex with your neighbor or a family member. You're just fine. Well, if you're having sex with a family member, something could be wrong. Um, anyways, the point is, take a moment, breathe, relax, enjoy yourself. You're alive in this moment. You won't be alive forever, but you are alive right now. And uh, the earth is still spinning and, and uh, there's still air to breathe and people love you. Maybe a few people, maybe a lot of people, but somebody loves you and you love somebody. So accept yourself and enjoy this podcast. And I think you will enjoy this podcast because it's one of my favorite ones that I've done. I never like to rank them or say it's the funniest because I don't want to hurt the feelings of other people that are guests or have been guests and do listen. You know, Steve Rogers, he's a comedian. He's sensitive. He listens to the show and has been on the show. So I don't want him to hear that. Ian Fidance was the best guest, and then he'll sink into a depression. I love you, Steve. Anyways, this week's episode is way better than the Steve Rogers episode. It is Ian Fidance, comedian extraordinaire. Um, Hopefully, you know Ian. I'm sure a lot of you do. He is a fantastic comedian and a wonderful man and somebody that I love talking to. He's one of those guys in comedy. There's a lot of people, you know, if you're sitting at the the cellar table and you see someone coming up to the table, you go, ah, shit. Or you just go, ah, there's that guy. Ian is one of those guys. You go, great, excellent. Ian, perfect. Let him get in here. He Never makes a hang worse. Makes the hang better. And um, if you see him on a lineup, you're like, okay, cool, cool. I got him. So, uh, that's the kind of guy he is to me. And, uh, but he's also a, a deeply troubled guy. And, uh, we talk about that quite a bit. Um, we get into our, our alcoholism and we talk a lot about, um, mental health, of course, about the drugs we've taken and the effects of those drugs, um, prescribed drugs, I mean, and, um, yeah, we talk a little bit about accepting ourselves and 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 all those things, and it was really just a great conversation that I got a lot out of. Uh, I think he got quite a bit out of it, and I hope that you will too. Hopefully, um, it uh, you identify with it, with some of it or all of it, um, and I think a lot of people will. So, um, just an excellent conversation. I, I just finished it, so I'm still in that mode of like, wow, that was that was great. Um, I'm dealing with some reflux right now, so I might have to cough. It's not COVID. Don't worry. Uh, (coughs) Anyways, I'm sure I'll be fine. (laughs) Remember Ferris Bueller when he's playing the uh, piano cough? Hey, folks, if you happen to be in Jersey City, I'm doing a show there at a place called The Pet Shop, Monday, October 19th in Jersey City. Uh, Come on out to that. I think... uh, should be a good show. It's outdoors, so safety first. And um I think that's pretty much it for my my dates right now. Most things have been um canceled, but I'm going to work on getting some more soon. So Jersey City, I know that's not many of you, but if you're around Pet Shop on Monday and um I also want to encourage you to tell some people about the podcast um, subscribe. If you're not subscribed, give it a nice review. There's so many kind reviews. It's really quite touching. And, um, I appreciate all the kind emails and messages and, and promote the podcast a little bit, put it on your Insta story, put it on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, tell some friends. And, uh, that's the only way podcasts can really grow is if, um, the people that like it spread the word. So please, uh, spread the word around, tell some friends and, and, you know pay it forward whatever and um yeah and also i wanted to mention that my album uh i hate myself which is slightly different than the special which is still on youtube you can stream that please share that while you're at it um the album comes out october 16th which is this week maybe maybe it's today i don't even know the dates anymore oh god this is going too long it's tomorrow the album comes out tomorrow. You can pre-order it today and that helps the algorithm or whatever. So pre-order the album. I hate myself. It'll be available wherever albums are available. That's enough promotion, um, attraction rather than promotion. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I'm really excited about this conversation. Let me give you a nice quote. I read this the other day, Tara Brock, who is one of my OG Buddhist, um, teachers that has brought me into, um, world of Buddhism and meditation. I love her. I recommend her books and podcasts. And um, this one, I think, kind of um, relates a little bit to what we talk about later in this conversation. Tara Brach said, we're so used to presenting ourselves and getting approval according to our achievements that it's difficult to be authentic and trust that we'll be accepted just as we are. I struggle with that. Do you? Um, Either way, something to think about and remember. And you're good enough, be kind to yourself and enjoy this conversation with my friend, the wonderful, the delightful, the hilarious Ian Fidance. Morning. this is it we're live this is live. how this is how every podcast is started i'm like okay it's happening go um well thanks for having me man i'm excited to have you on i mean when i think mental health pod i think let me get ian in here and mm-hmm.
1: that's always good to hear is what people are thinking about mental health they're like we gotta get Ian in here to hear his perspective or check on him
0: (laughs) yeah i'm like we i'm like i gotta save ian that's gonna be something when the pod starts to dip i'll get ian in here and then i'll really
1: yeah it'll kickstart it to a new level
0: yeah give the folks a thrill um so how are you doing tell me so you told me off air you had a uh, an incident last night, some drama.
1: I did. I had a little bit of drama. Um, my cat is, uh, he loves me a lot and he's like always all over me. And, you know, you want to talk mental health and psychology. Uh, yeah, he's a bit needy, but also maybe I shouldn't have laid on the ground and put his food on my chest when he was a kitten so that he would associate <laughs> His food with my love, uh, so uh, I am very much like uh, he's he's always like on me or whatever. And but when I have people over, he gets scared as hell. He turns into like such a scaredy cat. He hides under and in the couch, like up here. And uh, I had a friend over yesterday, and when they left, he ran out, and I don't know where he went, but I couldn't find him for like a couple hours. I'm like, man, he'll come out. And then at like 1230 or one, I, I heard crying and he was stuck underneath my sink behind the baseboard. And he got in this hole like this big and he couldn't get out. So I'm like holding onto his head trying to pull him out. And I'm like, I I, I think I might pull my cat's head off. <laughs> like I, I don't know how to get this damn out of here. So I had to get a hammer and uh, brace it in between the baseboard and like crank it out. And uh, so I like knocked my kitchen cabinet out and he came out and then I, I put it back together. And I was telling you, I'm, I'm on Seroquil, uh, which um, if you don't get eight full eight hours on it, you're like a fucking zombie. So I didn't get my full eight hours. So I texted you this morning. I was like, please, I need, I need to sleep for another hour or else I won't function. So,
0: so, so what is Seroquel? Is that a sleep aid? Is that anxiety?
1: Steroquil is a, like an antipsychotic. It's for people that are bipolar. Um, and it uh, is for people with OCD, uh, bipolar. And um, it, it, is uh like an anxiety medicine in a way and it it uh i take it before i go to bed like a half hour and it helps calm my thoughts throughout the next day which has been really wonderful lately so wait
0: so does it like not i hear quill i think nyquil does it like knock you
1: out or is it just well if if you take it it doesn't like knock me out it just helps me go to sleep so that my head's not like racing and everything and like um if you take a lot of it, you'll get knocked out, but he bumped my dosage up and I, I don't like it. Cause the next day it kind of makes me like groggy and I got to talk to him about that. But, um, yeah, it just kind of calms you down. Like, um, like, uh, it, it doesn't knock you out. Like NyQuil, will like fucking hits you. Right. Right. For, for me, I can like stay up and watch TV, which isn't good because I'm like, Oh yeah, I have to go to sleep.
0: right right so is that that's a big thing for you not to like jump right in but do you have that uh intrusive thoughts and and all that shit like uh i mean that's essentially anxiety but yeah does that get worse for you when you're going to bed or is it all day
1: uh, you know sans sans medicine i mean my my head is always 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 racing um and it's uh you know scattered thoughts, ADHD, you know, like, uh, this, that, and so I I have a hard time concentrating on one thing, but, um, you know, like negative thoughts can really come in and I can really attach myself to them because I think I've almost found a comfort in them sometimes. Um, and so I'll, I'll glom onto them and they won't stop. And, you know, I've, I've like really like, tried prayer and I, I'm not good at meditation, but, um, you know, like I found myself just like some nights, just like praying, almost like scream praying so that my head would shut off and it just wouldn't stop. And, um, the medication I found has been able to help, uh, alleviate that. That's great. So
0: what other, what other medications have you tried? Like I was on Paxil years ago for a few years for like the same kind of thing for, horrendous anxiety and, and all that stuff. So I took Paxil it, for a long time. Did it help? I think so. I mean, it's like, it's hard to tell now. I mean, it was so long ago now. I mean, now it was 10 or 12 or 13 years ago. And it helped for me, like so much of the stuff for me. And I think there's different levels of of struggling and, and illness and stuff. But for me, it helped just the most helpful thing was going to a therapist and a doctor being like, okay, you have general anxiety disorder and OCD and panic disorder. And Mm -hmm. for me, and I've shared this before, just hearing a diagnosis that this is something that happens to people was a huge help Mm -hmm. because I always have this thing that, or terminal uniqueness, we we call it sometimes, but I have this thing of like, I thought I had Joe list disease. Like Mm -hmm. I I, I have this crazy problem. Like I go to the doctor or therapist and I'm like, listen to this. My fucking brain's crazy. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's this thing. So that was a huge help. And then just, just the placebo effect of like, all right, this medicine's going to help. I mm-hmm. think that helped, but it did help. But ultimately, I mean, first of all, I couldn't come on Baxil. I would be working oh, off dude. furiously for like three
1: hours. That that That's the worst. Is it like antide- without antidepressants, you want to kill yourself. But then on antidepressants, you can't come, which also makes you want to kill yourself. Yeah. So if you're like, fucked either way and that happened to me on Zoloft uh I on like a high dosage I like couldn't come and one time I was you know um gonna have like an all-day fuck fest with this girl you know and we like planned it out and I was like all right well I want to last a long time so I'm gonna take my Zoloft I'm gonna take extra Zoloft as like uh you know to to make it so that I just can't come and I'll fuck her all day and she'll think I'm like King sex, and it just had the opposite effect. I couldn't get hard, and it was like so embarrassing. And we had to be like in the throes of passion. I'd be like, Well, you see, um I'm uh, I suffer from bad depressive disorder, and I took extra medication because I wanted to last long. She was
0: like, All right, that's hilarious. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I remember
0: hooking up with girls or my girlfriend at the time and just being like, yeah, just so you know, like I will not be coming. (laughs) It's like a thing because for me mentally, even off the medication, and this is a whole different topic, a different bag of hammers here. My, I have like so much anxiety. I have like brain to penis fucking um, disconnect. Like it takes me like a half hour to piss sometimes because I'm just like, I'm in my head, not a half hour, but. (laughs) several minutes like five six minutes because I'm just in my head of like oh wow I can't I'll start thinking about something I'm like sitting there trying to piss and instead I'm thinking about some conversation I had and it's the same with sex where like I'll get close to coming and there's that thing in your head that's like hey you're about to come and then I'm like fuck oh shit and then it just is like I have to start over but back then on Paxil I remember like hooking up with women that got mad. Like, they were like, what is this? Like, am I a piece of shit? Am I fat? And I'm like, no, no, I'm on drugs and I'm retarded. (laughs) Don't worry.
1: I'm on drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Street drugs. Now let me put it in you without a condom. Come on. Um, Uh, Yeah, if you're on antidepressants and a condom, it's impossible to to come a lot of times.
0: Yeah, and I was drinking then too.
1: So it was like all of those. Oh, God. Yeah. And also... Drinking and antidepressants that kind of cancel each other out. Yeah,
0: that was, I was an idiot with that stuff. Like, I remember it was like a fun bar trick to me to be taking my Paxil with a shot. Like, I would be like, look at everybody, antidepressant. And then I would wash it down with like a Jaeger bomb. And then everyone's like, aren't you supposed to not do that? And I'm like, you got that right. (laughs) And um, just a fucking idiot, you know? But so, so you did Zoloft. Did Zoloft help? Are you still taking Zoloft?
1: Uh, No, I've done everything it's it's funny to step back and think like oh I've been on uh on and off medication since I was eight years old wow (laughs) that's like you know my entire life and it's it's kind of and and my mom god bless her you know um would not make me take my medication all the time because you know sometimes i would feel weird and she would be like okay well don't take it only take it on the weekends or take it this time or oh you're you're feeling down here take one so she didn't really uh i never took it as prescribed so i was co- on top of being like um you know um chemically imbalanced naturally the chemicals i was putting in me were like constantly up and down like in and out of my system so it was always kind of like this like rubber band pull of these like moods and everything. And I never really knew like, which was because it, I never associated my moods with the medication. I always just thought, Oh, this is just the way I am. But a lot of it had to do with me being on and off these, these meds. Um, so I've been on like a lot Zoloft. I was on for a while and um Zoloft can trigger manic episodes. And um the, doctor increased my dose and it triggered like a, a pretty bad manic episode. And, uh, so I got off that thankfully, and I've, i felt way better ever since. Um, but I also, at the beginning of, of, uh, quarantine, I switched to Wellbutrin, um, and Wellbutrin can have, uh, you know, like severe side effects. And unfortunately I experienced them, but I didn't know it. I just thought, I mean, yes, the world was like ending and pausing and everything in our industry shut down. And it was that whole question of like, who am I, what am I, you know, but on top of that, I had this medication that was bringing me to like incredible lows and like really bad thoughts. And my, my, um, my ex was in Pakistan and I was missing her so much. And I would see her out of the corner of my eye or I'd see her in the kitchen and be like, Oh my God, like. I miss her so much. I'm seeing her around my apartment. And it turns out a large side effect of well Buterin is hallucinations, so oh, wow. I was just hallucinating, <laughs> and Damn I was shit. like, "Well, I'm really in love," you
0: know. <laughs> Holy shit! I mean, that's fucking yeah.
1: and wild. and dude, I was having these like insane night terrors of like I would. On my left side and i would feel as if someone was like right above me and i saw like it, it was like gnarly and then it it all started to make sense of like oh shit this is not just me this is this medication so then i switched when i went back to zoloft they pumped that up and i think it was like the switching that just did something
0: right That that's one of the things that's so hard with um anxiety depression mental illness in general is it's hard to decipher what's real what's being caused by something what's yeah. being caused by anxiety because certain things you know i'll have whatever it is pains or ailments or illness and i'm like wait is this real or is this uh, is am i creating this through anxiety because i'm fucking losing my mind and right. so you have all those things it's hard to decipher what's what
1: totally and also with medication it's really tough um because all it takes, you have to just give it time you, because you're, it has to wash through your body. It has to go into your blood system. And you know, some medication it's like, well, for the first week, you're, you're going to be really, really groggy. And it's like, well, I have a job to do. I have things I have to do. And I'm like falling asleep at the wheel driving and they're like, just hold out and then we'll see if it maybe will work. <laughs> like what?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fucking weird. And that's how I felt with, um, paxil i think i felt like foggy again i was drinking and taking it so and i wasn't able to come and all this stuff and then i just started to get in my head of like oh am i just another statistic and do i really need this and i had all that shit and started to try to do right you know alternative stuff and and so i don't know i'm still not sure but now so now i'm I'm not on drugs now but Mm -hmm. um I had Xanax back in the day too, because I would have horrible panic attacks as oh, well. Oh, wow. What was so, that
1: like? Yeah, so, Xanax will really
0: woo, trick you. I'm panicking again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it was weird because what's the problem with that is, I mean, it's it's good. I'm not like anti-drug. It's good, but it would, it, it allows you to not ever really deal with the panic because if I'm like, well, I start to panic, I feel even a little bit, I take it and I'm like, woo, Yeah. And, so I wasn't really dealing with what was causing the anxiety or the panic, and then I took um, oh, what's the other one? I always fucking lose what it's called. Shit, my friends, it's not Xanax, but it's another thing like Xanax. Um, Lithium? No, no, that's a Nirvana song. Clonopin. Oh, Clonopin, yeah, that's it. And yeah. uh, my friend's girlfriend was like obsessed with Clonopin, so I would take those like leisurely when I was still drinking and using. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to like a play on clonopin and being like fucking out of my mind. I was like, this is insane. But it almost was helpful because I'm like, I'm not that mentally ill. If if yeah. if this drug is helpful to somebody, I mean, this is like I remember like falling asleep in the middle of like Billy Elliot, just being like, just like passing out. So, I mean, some of those drugs are fucking hardcore.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot. And again, like you have to be on it for a while, so you're you're just. It, it really, really fucks you up of like, you know, again, like questioning, like, what is real? What is my real emotion? And what is a byproduct of the medication? And what is just a general overreaction? Or is it just I, I have a chemical imbalance, and then you put this medication in you and you have these adverse side effects, and you're supposed to stick with them for a while, it doesn't work. Okay, well, let's try this. And then you start over, you know, it's like, you know, for for women, there's like, what is it, like 1500 different forms of birth control or like forms of the pill and you go on it just destroys your system, kills your, your insides for like six months. And like, okay, you're still feeling discomfort. Let's start the process over again. You're like, what the fuck? This is making me insane. Yeah. Some of those birth control can make you
0: into a complete fucking lunatic.
1: Oh dude. I know. I know. And it's, it's brutal. And then you, you get off it and then you have to go back on another and like, you don't know if it's her or if it's the, the medication or, you know, it, it's, it sucks. Yeah. i to deal with that as a man. <laughs>
0: yeah. For, yeah, exactly. It's hard for us, but then yeah. for guys like us, you're like, she hates me. I'm a piece of shit. She never loved me. And meanwhile, she's just having a psychotic episode because of uh, birth control.
1: I know. I know. And, and it's so hard to be like, um, you know, it's everything's going to be okay. No, it's not. You're like, okay, I don't think it will be. I don't know. <laughs> the things don't get better. You're like, Oh, what do I do? Is this you? Is this going to be this way forever?
0: You know. That's why it's best to just pull out and come on their faces. Am I right, I folks?
1: Say, yeah. That's why anal is the way to go.
0: Yeah. You know? got to do anal. The, the Lord's birth control. Um, We went off the rails there for a second, but it, we made some good points. I think about the anal and the face coming. Yes. Yes. We, we try to keep it light here. Um, okay. So let's go back to, the beginning you're a philly guy outside philly where,
1: where are you yeah i'm from Bro. delaware
0: oh that's right i knew that because yeah. uh i think we just talked about this recently was it you and i that was talking about delaware weren't we i think hey. i was talking to someone else from delaware
1: who where the fuck was i who the fuck else is from delaware me i'm the only one i'm unique <laughs> no it wasn't you i think it was a woman who Get the fuck out. was it oh
0: god now i'm gonna i'm gonna have to think of this. But it was somebody. I was talking about um, Delaware, the first state. Huh. Oh, yeah. shit. So This is something I'll figure out later off air. I realize we're entertaining people right now. Um, uh, it will stop stressing you out. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll think of it at some point. I'll plug it in in post or I'll call you with it. Perfect. But, so you grew up in Delaware. and You said you started being on meds when you were eight. So something haywire must have been going on early. What was that? Can we talk about that?
1: Yeah, well, I was always like super hyperactive. I, actually, I, I, the first time I went on meds, I was like seven. And I went to see like a ADHD specialist. And the doctor gave me medication. And it just totally like, like just made me totally zonked out. And I wasn't hyper, I wasn't talkative anymore. And my dad took the medication, and, like flush it down the toilet and was like, rather my son bounce off the walls and be, you know, annoying than not be himself and just be kind of like a sad robot. And um, then he ended up uh, dying like a a year later. And (laughs) like uh, a couple months after he died, my mom was like, "Um, hello, specialist. (laughs) Um, Could we uh, find some of those meds that we put down the toilet, please? Right and uh so then i got on uh medication after that but i i also at the same time i didn't start taking medication for um depression yet but i was putting like different forms of like therapy and everything and then through that they were like you know we should try them on depression meds or anxiety meds so then that's when when i was in like fourth through fifth grade, that's when it kind of started to go into, um, taking, trying like other medications.
0: Right. Now, do you, do you think about was, has there been discussion with your mother or whatever about like the idea that your father had of like, fuck, fuck meds. Let's just, he'll be hyper or whatever. Cause that sounds like maybe the hyper was just sort of hereditary genetic. Mm-hmm. And then that's who you are right? as a hyper guy. And then you start messing with the pills or anything is there is there do you spend time thinking like what if what would have been like if you know i hadn't gone back to the well, medicine or what? You
1: know, my my mom i i really hated the adhd medicine and to my mom's credit she was like only take it you know like the the doctors were like take it in the morning then take one at night or like take one a day blah 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 and my mom would be like all right don't take it on the weekends you know only take it when you have to do your homework or You know, and so my mom kind of was like really kind in terms of like, like she saw that I didn't like it. But she was also getting complaints from, you know, school and teachers. So she's like, I got to meet you halfway. Right. And uh, I, I mean, I think that's something a lot of people struggle with that have been on medication of like, I know for me, I do it with everything. I do it with working out. The second you tell me I look good, I'm like, I don't have to go to the gym. You know, I do it with sobriety. Once I get everything back that I lost, I'm like, no, I can drink again, you know. And and with medication, it's like, I've been feeling good for a while. I should stop taking my meds, you know. Right, right. And, and it is kind of um, you know, I understand it's it's like a nice thing, but if you do tell people you're like struggling or you're going through something, the first thing they ask is like, are you still taking your meds? And I get it, but it's it's kind of, it kind of feels like insulting that they don't trust like you and they think that, you know, it's this nefarious thing that's going on inside of your head that if you don't take your meds, you're a complete, you know... Mess, which can can be true, and I, I guess it's out of concern, but it is kind of like, yeah, I'm still taking them. I'm still fucked up. All right,
0: right, right. Yeah, that's a tricky thing. So, like, I, yeah, it's it's a hard thing to deal with because sometimes you want to just talk about um, what you're going through, and people's natural thing, kindly, is to try to help. But sometimes you're like, it, it's hard to take the help, or you have that feeling of like I've already thought of that, you fucking asshole. Yeah. Um, and so it is this weird balance sometimes where it, it's hard to decipher whether someone's asking for help or if they're just, uh, trying to get something off their chest. And I, I think, yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a human, um, thing to try to be like, well, have you tried this? Mm-hmm. Maybe this, I mean, I've got, I, there's countless people in my life throughout my life. For instance, I was a kid. were like, you gotta relax. <laughs> You're yeah. Like, yeah, that's I'm uh, having. That's what I'm having trouble with. You see, yeah. it's it, and it's kind of like, and I'm sure this analogy has been made, but it's almost like being like, yeah, I have cancer, and they're like, you got to try to not have cancer.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you just close your eyes and just think about not having cancer? <laughs> yeah. So, it, it, it
0: is tricky. And so, where are you with that? Are there certain people you reach out for, like I need your help? Or, and are there some people that you just talk to to vent or. What, what is your, your reaching out kind of like situation with that? Like my
1: support network? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have, I have a, I, I'm, I've been going through like a, a really gnarly uh, breakup. And so I've had one friend that's, that's been like really, really kind. And I really helped him. Uh, through like his depths of hell years ago. So this is, you know, I'm I'm cashing in my um be there for me all the time card. Sure. Um, but uh, you know, I just like friends from AA that I, I think that we both know that are comics as well, that I've grown close to over the years, um, that have become like um, you know, support systems for for me and I for them. Um, and I, uh, you know, I, the, the quarantine's been weird and that I, I started to reconnect with like older friends. I don't know if you did this, but I started making amends for things that have never mattered. Like I emailed someone cause I walked out of their set one night when I told them I was going to watch their act. And I was like, <laughs> look, I, I'm so sorry. I was really tired. I know it was, you know, I, your, your first set at the cellar, but I just had to go home. It was late at night. Please forgive me. They're like, Hey, I don't remember that. Really forgive yourself. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. that's
0: nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've done so many amends like that where the person's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And you're like, Oh, I've been carrying this for nine years thinking that yeah. you hate me or that I'm a piece of totally. shit. And people are like I don't remember that at all. But yeah. I have made a couple of big amends during uh, uh, quarantine. And it was it was great and really helpful because it's almost like we've had so much downtime. And then it is a struggle with mental health and stuff to be alone mm-hmm. in the house or not alone I'm with my wife, but you know, not not walking around not seeing people not traveling and so there is a lot of stuff that you're like there's so many hours that you're like you know I should work on that script I always wanted to write I should write a book and there's also like you're like oh I also should apologize for ruining that person's wedding 10 years ago that I've been sitting (laughs) on I just never did it um so I've done a few of those uh, like really big ones and um it really does feel good. Like if, if you're listening at home, I mean, even if you don't have a drinking problem or anxiety, and you did something at some point, it really does help to to reach out to those people. And in wow. my experience, most of those people are totally. very receptive. Yeah,
1: totally. I mean, self reflection is always good, especially, you know, like, kind of thinking like what your part and your role in things is, and uh, always be willing to um make the amends and and to admit when you're wrong. I, I fall into a category sometimes where um I will obsessively want to make the amend immediately and be like, do you forgive me? Do you for come on let's go back. Let just forget it. Come on. Things are good. Things are just everything's fine, you know. And that's not really how amends works. You you make it and you leave it the ball in their court and you accept whatever response they have. And mine is like, well, I'm saying, I'm sorry, but why can't we just go back to normal? What's, what's the matter here?
0: You know? Yeah, no, that happens a lot. And, and, and one, there was one thing I made an amends for with a woman and, and, you know, she ended up writing like you're, I know you're a good guy and I appreciate this and I've always liked you, but there was the part that was like, yeah, that was horrible. And it fucking fucked me up and it sucked and you suck. And there is part of you that's like, Well, you could have left that out. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, what is this? Like, there is, like, uh, overall, you're like, oh, I'm so glad I did this and I'm glad we worked it out and everything feels good. But you're also like, oh, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm trying to apologize and you gotta, and you gotta tell me that it did hurt your feelings. What is this?
1: And they're, when they're well within their right to be like, no, I was really hurt by the actions you took. And you're like, no, that was a long time ago. Just tell me I'm good and I'm forgiving. (laughs) Please, can we do this? Yeah,
0: exactly. So it is, um, but it is uh, like uh, a powerful feeling to really um, apologize to somebody. And it's hard not to call people that you want to apologize to you and be like, Hey, why don't you do that? But
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I, I have a thing where I convince myself that everyone hates me. And I'm like a bad friend. And cause I isolate a lot. And I, I wonder if it can be seen as being like, a dick or like abandoning people, which I guess it can be, but I I also like slink away a lot. Like, I think like, again, like, you know, going back to, you know, me losing my, my dad at such a young age, I I really become intensely close with people kind of quick. And then I move away because I feel like that's my way of being like, all right, well, I'm, I'm owning the abandonment. I'm, you can't leave me, I'm leaving you. And I'm just going to, slink away. And then, you know, when I see, I'll see and we'll be pals. But, you know, I, I kind of um, make myself in charge of the one who walks away. And I don't think that that's a good characteristic in friends in friendships or business relationships or anything. But I, I really kind of isolate away from things a lot. So I'm, I'm trying to reconnect those ties that have been severed or just like, showing up more or, you know, I, I've really, especially, you know, I, I've been, um, single in, in a very long time. And so I'm trying to be, uh, not, I'm, I'm trying to be, uh, I'm trying to, whenever I'm in a relationship, I'm always like, well, I'll just be with this person. I don't have to go out and be with my friends or I don't have to. So I'm like making plans with friends and like, trying to keep them and like trying to do fun activities and trying to, you know, stay busy. So I don't like sit and dwell and everything. And I'm trying to like show up, like I'm hitting up random friends. Like, do you need help with anything? You, are you moving? You know? And they're right, like, right. You on your meds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, that's great. And it's funny. I mean, I don't know if you have this. First of all, I have the thing too, of just uh, thinking everybody hates me all the time and then I'm a fuck up and I suck. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a constant battle, but, um, Oh fuck. I forget what I was going to say. Oh, that's what I was going to say is, do you have the thing that's like, I have all these, like, my instincts are all counterintuitive. My instincts are to like, let's stay home. I'm like, it's happened last week where I'm like, I got nothing on the schedule today. This is great. I'm going to sit and watch baseball all day. It's playoffs and there's games all day. And I'm like, this will be great. And I sit there for like one minute. And I'm like, I should be working on my career. Let me send an yeah. Instagram. Let me, let me tweet. Let me do this. Let me read. And then the days where I'm like, shit, I got a bunch of stuff. To, I got to do this podcast. And I got to do that podcast. And then I got to go pick up whatever. Those days I'm way better. I'm actually, my instinct is to be like isolate and keep as little as few things on the schedule as possible. But oh ultimately I'm better when I'm doing things because I'm outside of my head when I'm running yes. errands or particularly when I'm interacting with people.
1: Yes. I found that I got the most work done, like administrative and even like deadline stuff, walking to the subway or like on the subway or in between things where it's like a time crunch when I have no choice but to like get it done. But when I have ultimate free time, that's when, you know, uh, I'm, I'm in a bad spot, you know, idle I hands are the devil's uh, play toys. What's it called? Play thing. Uh, I don't know. Deb- the devil. I devil's know.
0: devil's advocate. I'm not, I'm not sure.
1: Uh, devil in the donut. I don't know, but devil's- I, uh, I, I have to stay busy or else I can really fall uh prisoner to my own mind. You know? Yeah. Same hundred percent. Uh and,
0: and it's it just, it just works better for, I think people like us to be interacting. And that's part of the problem with, um, lockdown and all that shit is there is less, socializing and it totally. doesn't scare me as we get to when it's colder and you can't be outside and it does become a little more mm-hmm. um, dangerous or whatever, because even doing just sets around town, like at the cellar, like we're both be at the cellar, like you'd just be forced to be hanging out with people, not forced, but like yeah. you're sitting at the table. And then here comes a new person here comes this yes. person and you're meeting a diverse group of people, yes. people that aren't even your friends. You kind of have to be like, what do you know about this? What do mm-hmm. you think about And they're taking that aspect out of it is, um, is definitely difficult because it does send you back into your head more often when you're when you're by yourself, you end up having conversations. and, And for me, I think probably you too, like, arguments in my head, like, and I try so hard to be mindful, I have all these mindfulness reminders, and I'm a meditator and all this stuff. But I'm still like, I'll go into a shower being like, all right, I'm going to really be mindful and feel the water and enjoy the shower. It's one of the highlights of my day. And within 30 seconds, I'm like, well, what about that time you said this?
1: That's what I'm doing in the shower. I'm like...
0: Remember when I was babysitting yep. and you fucking, yep. or whatever. And oh, last
1: like, night I was having a conversation that ended in a, quite a lot of tears in the shower last night. of <laughs> <laughs> just like replays and it's, and it's some, sometimes my shower conversations are not even like what, like arguments of me being like, no, that's not true. It's, it's like, me preemptively being like, you know, I shoulda, blah, blah. You know, I really live in like shoulda woulda's a lot, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda's. And I think I've really spent so much time living in the past. I used to relive my past all the time in my head, especially like, you know, um, I had this thing with guilt for an incredibly, incredibly long period of time where I felt like I could've stopped my dad from dying. And I lived in that for years and years and years and uh just replaying things in my head. And especially like even living in the memory of him being alive, like playing thoughts and memories like movies, you know, to where I wasn't living in the present. And then I'll worry about the future, especially, um, with quarantine and everything, it's, it's just been like the future, what the fuck is going to happen? What the fuck is going to happen? And I'm not living in the present at all. And I've always had a hard time being in the present and I'll get made fun of by friends sometimes. Cause my, my leg shakes and, uh, it has to do with like nerves or nervousness or when I'll start getting anxiety about the future, I'll like shake or whatever. And it's like a physical tick that I've had to be told by like strangers before, like, Hey, can you stop? Like you're shaking this like table or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Stepping outside of myself to see someone visibly shaking all the time is like pretty jarring. (laughs) And I don't even realize I'm doing it, but I'm like vibrating and shit. And it's, it's, I don't even notice it. And people are like, man, you're kind of like a spaz. I'm like, real, what's wrong with you? I don't see that. Like I was the last one to find out that I was like weird. Like I thought everyone else was like, like this and it's very much not true you know
0: yeah there's a lot of that i mean i have like physical tics where like i especially when doing podcasts where i'm stressed i have like hard blinks where i'm like blinking like this and i'm thinking about it even during the podcast and i'm like the youtube people are gonna be like what's up with his eyes this guy's crazy and i've had people say it to me like they've watched set, like my first live at gotham set the whole time i'm like doing these ocd tics and people are like that was my first experience of like." and this is kind of like pre-social media it feels or before I was into social media where all these people I would walk up to would be like yeah that was good but what was it the blinking that was fucking weird and you're like I, I don't know I'm freaking out <laughs> fuck off and yeah. it, it is hard because then you're like consciously trying to like you know keep your legs still or I'm like trying to keep my eyes open and blink. I'm like how yeah. long does a normal blink last and yeah yeah and I have like a OCD thing now where I'm like I'm i I flex my left arm that nobody can even see it but like my arm is like sore by the end of the day because i'm just subconsciously flexing my arm constantly uh-huh. because of stress and anxiety and a lot of it is these fucking times and political unrest which i'm always having like political yeah. arguments in my head totally and all this shit so well, my
1: mine's chain smoking as well like smoking is i've convinced myself it relieves stress and anxiety you know so I mean, during quarantine, I got up to, like, two packs a day of just, like, nonstop, and I'm, like, literally living in prison. I, I, you know, work out in my room, and then I go outside, and I walk up and down my block like it's the yard, and then I come back inside, and it's like, I gotta get the fuck out of this two-block radius, or else I'm gonna go insane. And that's why I love my bicycle so much, because that, for me, has become... uh It's the closest thing I have to meditation um, because it truly can be a speed, you know, like I've heard, I I have such a hard time with meditation and and I really admire the fact that that, that's such a big part of your life and recovery. And I I really, and and it's such a lazy thing. of like, well, I wish I could be good at it. It's like, well, dummy, you can be just do it. It's like, have my life is why I wish this. It's like, you could do that in a heartbeat, just fucking do it, dude. You know, but the bike and, and I've heard meditation, like It's not always, but there's some parts of it that you're like locked in and you just feel this spirituality and this presence and whatever. And I feel that way on the bike sometimes where I'll just lock into this moment or something will be synced up perfectly, especially like the music I listen to. Like I'll turn a corner and it pops right at the perfect part of the song and the sun shining down and the wind is on my face. I'm like, this is fucking God. Like this is God's beauty shining upon me. And I have to be centered or else in the moment or else I'll get hit by a fucking car, you know? So it forces me to be centered in the moment, reflective at the same time in a way and uh, present and also grateful. So the bike for me has become this uh, centerpiece of my life that that keeps me together.
0: Yeah. I mean, that essentially is meditation. I mean, there's, there's, you know, people, have the idea of meditation of like sitting and that and that's what I do and stuff. But like, there's a sitting meditation and going. Oh, but I mean, meditation essentially is just sort of accepting the present and being present. So ah, you can do that. So I meditate. Bike. You're yeah. meditating. Yeah, you're meditating on a bicycle. Um, or it's meditative at the very least, but I've I've had the same feeling. And and music for me is a huge help too, because I have serious problems connecting with feelings and emotion and connecting with reality even. And sometimes like, I've oh, gone on hikes. A bitch.
1: The whole, yeah. is this real? Am I living in reality? Some people being like, you perceive reality different. I'm like, uh-huh, what? <laughs> <laughs> but I've had
0: moments where I'm like hiking by myself or walking and have just the right song. And it hits that emotion and brings you back to the thing you want to be connected to. Yes. And you know, I'm so self-critical that I'll say it to my therapist. I'm like, I can't even feel feelings unless I'm listening to Springsteen. And he's like, right. So what? Okay. Put Mm -hmm. on Springsteen. (laughs) You're like, Oh, that's okay. Like I, Mm -hmm. I always have this fear that I'm like, Am I doing it right? Like similarly, where I'm like your your biking is meditation. I have the same thing where I'm like, is it okay that I feel meditative but I'm slouched a little?
1: Right, like, is right. It okay well, that that, my... That's what. And I don't know if you can relate. I I don't know how like religious are tied to. Could, did you grow up Catholic?
0: No, my father's Catholic, but we had no religious. Got you. Kind of well,
1: I, I, you know, and that's one thing I I love about, I don't know if we can mention it, but, you know, programs of recovery is the idea that like your God or your spiritual connection does not have to be what you once thought it was. So I always thought like prayer had to be on your knees in the prayer position. Dear, dear Heavenly Father, I pray to you today. You know what I mean? And so when I would, Talk to God or whatever. Is this okay? Am I clocking in with you properly? You know? And um, I've really gotten away from my contact with God, but the desperation and places I've been in the past couple months have really kind of kicked my ass into making me have no choice but to talk to whatever is out there. So, in a way, I'm grateful for kind of the the shit that I've been through in the past couple months. But I think um that whole thing of am i doing this right am i praying okay am i talking to a, a being outside of myself in the proper way and it's like well it's up to you right sure. right
0: yeah yeah i mean and i, I feel that 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 gratitude feeling of like for, of going through shit like I, and i think about that all the time with with drinking i'm like it was so miserable to be such a fucking drunk maniac and blacking out right. and, and, and fucking up relationships and career and all that stuff. And just feeling like shit. But it makes me so grateful that I went through it now because I'm like, Oh, bro, I have like this. I have this thing to compare my life to of like, mm-hmm. this is what it would be like. And I talk about that all the time and think about it all the time where I'm like, I'll go through a weekend on the road or, or a quarantine or I'm sick or have anxiety. And I'm like, imagine how much worse it would be if I was drinking if like, you know what I mean?
1: Well, that that's the crazy thing is when I was drinking, I was like, God damn it. If I could just shut out the world and have nothing to do and just fucking bottle of vodka on my knee, rocking chair, all the free time in the world, I would finally be happy. <laughs> and then now that that's an option, I was like, I would be in hell. <laughs> you know?
0: right? Right? Yeah. I mean, that's what I, I was saying right off the bat when this started happening, the pandemic, whatever lockdown, whatever we call it. I was like, I said it to Sarah, who's sober as well, obviously, maybe it's not obvious, but she is. And, I'm saying obviously, because you know, that, but (laughs) right away, I was like, this is like all of our fucking prayers being answered when we were drinking. Yes. That's like the idea. Like that's when I was, the only time I was happy when I was drinking was like, I would go on vacation with my family up in Maine. And I was like, all right, I'm away from comedy. I'm away from show business. No one in my business is up here and my family, they're stuck with me. So even if I, Blackout and break everything in the house, which I did, I was like, they're going to have to still love me. Mm-hmm. So I felt protected. And that's what this kind of feels like. We were like, all right, we can't leave. We can't work. We have all day. And I, I would a hundred percent be drinking at fucking nine 30 in the morning until 10 at night or whenever I passed out. Sure. Um, but there, there, and there is even part of me, like that alcoholic thinking of like, fuck, why couldn't have this happened nine years ago? Yeah, I would have ripped it
1: up. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, I was like, man, I kind of made my own little quarantines every time I got fired from a job. You know, before it got so bad, I had to like go away. You know, so it was like, I, I had, I had bits and pieces of my own homegrown quarantine. You know, but yeah. it, it, it was never, and it always ended in desperation and in a, a you know, crawling on my knees to take that substance away from me, you know, and, and I really, you know, cause I, I hadn't gone to, are you allowed to mention? I don't care. <laughs> I, I had, I had gotten away from, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and, and it really saved my life. I mean, I, I've lived in halfway houses. I've worked in halfway houses. You know, I, um, was, have been in detoxes and hospital all as a result of my drinking And I've been so far removed from drink that I've convinced myself that I don't need to go to those things anymore. And and it's very not true. Um, But I really admire the people that are like, you know... Hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic and I I just have to be grateful I didn't put a drug or drink in my body. I'm 35 years sober and every day is a gift. And my sobriety, I'm just so grateful. I'm like, what the, but yeah, it's 35 years. Of course you didn't put a drug or drink in your body in the morning, Kevin, you know? Right. And, And I feel like I've been so far removed finding that gratitude for being sober. It's there, but being on fire with it is not. And I'd love to get back to that. But I've also joined another program, Recovery of SLAA, a sex and love addicts anonymous, and I feel much closer to that, and have found an identification with the fellows in that. That's hit me so much harder than AA has recently. That that's the place I go where I'm like, it's been such and such days sober of not uh, being in contact with my qualifier that I am just so grateful, and you know, and like that's like the sting that I'm dealing with is the thing that burnt my ass and put me back into the rooms. But I really admire just hearing that gratitude and that, you know, being completely on fire with, with the program of recovery. I, I just admire it so much.
0: Yeah. Well, it is important. I was just talking about this with Sarah too. Like it is important to remember that we are those things still. So like we went up to hang out with my family for the weekend and we worked and, and we just went haywire. We ate, you know, mcdonald's and we ate all kinds of fucking candy and i was smoking cigars and we were kind of just like oh i feel like shit and what what are we doing and it is like i had to remind myself and her that like well we are fucking alcoholics that we just haven't drank in years but like my instinct is to and that behavior fucking, is still there. Yeah, my, my instinct, my natural instinct, my first thought when hanging out with family or stress is like, let's drink 40 Captain and Cokes and just be fucking, well, fuck all you, you yeah. motherfuckers. And so <laughs> I'm like, if I got to eat McDonald's a couple times, you know, every every few weeks to not get drunk and try to fuck my aunt or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, you know, just, yeah, get, get through it and it's fine um, because- you do have to stay in contact with the fact that we're fucking lunatics. We're completely
1: out of our minds. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And, and it's such a fun phrase of like, I came from a drinking stayed from a thinking. <laughs> right, like, right, right. So true, you know, and, and, you know, I, I think that's why I, I would relapse all the time because it's almost like a get out jail free card of like, you know, Oh, you haven't, you're not drinking. Oh my God. You're so great for you. You're such a good person, you know, and it would be like that little pat on the back of like feeling good. And you know, you start to get little things back that makes your life so much better. Cause you thought you'd never get them. So I would relapse to almost not, I wouldn't relapse to feel better, but coming back into the rooms offer of relapse would make me feel better immediately. Cause it was like, I put down booze. Everything's better now. Oh, I put down the drink. Things are better now. I'm not drinking. Things are amazing. And it's like that would then die off to the point where I would have to relapse again because things got so bad because I wasn't drinking. Right. I didn't have that thing that masked everything. And then once that flushed out of my body, I was left with myself. And I was like, oh, fuck. Right. Ducks. the man in the mirror is a problem right, right. putting
0: in your body right yeah exactly you Now, where, where, are we're the problem so we're we're coming that to the end here but <laughs> uh, we're, we're we're coming towards the end here but i do want to hear about when did you first i feel like you're you seem like a guy that started probably drinking or drugging young is that yeah correct
1: yeah uh well, I mean it wasn't consistent, but I had my first drink in uh I think like six or six, actually no like fifth grade my my grandparents had beer in the garage and they were having beer. I was like, can I have one? they're like, sure and uh I just had like a honey brown lager with some uh wow. pretzel sticks and uh I would like drink the, but I never I didn't like the taste sorry like didn't even drink all of it. And, and I, I don't even remember getting a feeling, but in seventh grade I remember getting like drunk and I was like, I want to feel this way forever. And then in eighth grade, I got drunk on my birthday and I went home and tried to fight my stepdad and oh, uh, yeah. I was like, "This is not good." And like freshman year high school, I got so drunk at a party, I faked being sick for the week because I was like so embarrassed to see everyone at school. You know, like it uh, was just like immediately just like bad. And but addicted to everything, like smoking. I started smoking in, like sixth grade, and then stopped, and then eighth grade stopped, freshman year stopped. And I didn't smoke again until it's like twenty one, and then now it's like nonstop. But I uh, even like masturbation I was addicted to when I was younger because that that was the thing that took me out of myself. That right. was the thing that I got like a relief. And in a way I'm like grateful that I just did that instead of finding that relief in alcohol until later, because I feel like that would have opened the door to me doing other things. And I would have been way more susceptible to being like, yeah, I'll try heroin. Why not? You know? Right. So like m- masturbation was like the first thing I really got addicted to where when something was going wrong, I didn't feel okay. It was like, well, here's a thing that can make me feel all right. You know? And that's something that I, I don't really talk a lot about. Cause I think that's like jarring to hear But I think a lot of people can relate to just wanting to get outside yourself and it's like a homegrown high, you know, but also we were like choking ourselves in like sixth grade to try to get high too. you know, it's like, did you ever do that the fucking choke thing where you like lose your hair
0: people did i never did it i was a big pussy i think sarah did she t- i'm looking over here like she's there she's not um but it's, i think sarah did that she talked about they all did that and would knock yeah. each other out and stuff and yeah. but she also roofied herself so she's a, just a big fucking lunatic um that's great it's always fun when you start dating someone she's like yeah i used to take roof and all or whatever and you're like what's that
1: like, <laughs> yeah 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 Come again the, <laughs> like,
0: great that's great yeah. that's really neat um, but no so I. I never did that but I was afraid I mean that's why I started drinking late because I was afraid of all this shit I was a big pussy I was like mm-hmm. drinking what are you insane that's crazy and and choking yourselves and all that stuff but masturbation I definitely relate to and I still feel that way now when I get like really angry or something happens or I see somebody did something I still my first thought is to be like let me go jerk off yeah and I don't always follow up on it but like that was always how i felt was like totally i gotta go and like when i went through like breakups i jerk off like seven times a day just because i'm like i would be so angry that i'm like let me just put myself in this other alternative it's it's just i mean masturbation basically is just an alternative world essentially for that whatever a few minutes
1: totally yeah and and what fucked me up too is you know i talked about being catholic i had so much guilt that for the first like couple years i was masturbating i was praying for forgiveness while i was doing it because i was told that when someone dies they're with you all the time so i thought my relatives i thought my father was like watching and i had to be like i'm sorry dad you know <laughs> and that just totally fucked me up like with what i was thinking about or looking at you know but at the same time i was willing to go through that pain of that because the relief was worth it to get outside myself you know right. so th- i think that set the stage for me being like oh i'll black out and i'll wake up on the street in a pile of trash my shit's gone i'm bleeding but it was worth it because i got outside myself you know right right it was worth it because i didn't have to feel you know
0: yeah that was an amazing thing with with drinking for me is like and some people talk about it, like that first drink you're like
1: oh i got
0: it i see this makes sense Just like it was like flushes fucking, over your body yeah exactly like clouds parted and i'm like this is it and then i had that thing immediately I identify with like like i was a tom Waits song or something i was like i'm the fucking i'll be the drunk guy i'm at the bar yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. you don't know me man i'm fucking yeah. i'm
1: deep and then oh, you identify dude, with I, that i thought i mean i thought i was russ cole from true detective Right. That's who I thought I was. I thought I was Russ Cole and um, you know, like a uh three dog Night song come together, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I just thought that I was like um a Marshall Tucker band song come to life. That's who I thought I was, and oh, I was yeah. not. I was yeah. a mess that, and that wanted to be around.
0: You you look back and you're like oh, you can romanticize all those ideas of of drinking and being this thing, but you're like, it's miserable. I was miserable. They're miserable. You know, you feel fucking fat. You don't actually sleep well. Your relationships And, and shit. And
1: also sober, I can romanticize pain and I can romanticize being the struggle guy or the guy that just can't get love right. You know, the guy that always has it and fucks it up. Like I can romanticize anything that's, negative and I really have to work my fucking dick off to romanticize getting to the other side of it. You know, like I, I'm incredibly positive and I really try to be, you know, upbeat and everything. But behind once I shut my front door, it's like I I hang all that stuff up. And I'm like, okay, now I can really just fucking be the the downer I was always meant to be. You know? Yeah. No,
0: I had that and that was a big moment in my life that came with early sobriety was in, in our business in comedy, I was so um, connected and identified with like this loser, this lovable loser. I got edited off of last comic standing. I never got new faces at just for laughs. And yeah. And then eventually I did way later, but then I bombed and there was a, uh, I couldn't get a manager and I couldn't get a late night. And that was like my thing. I was, I've just been featuring for too long and I'm down. Don't even tell me your problems because I have it the worst. And then I got sober and I was like, hey, a lot of these things I want, I never even tried for. Why don't I just try to do that? And then I was like, eh, that classic like alcoholic thing, I was like, I can't even get a late night set. And then I literally got sober and was like, I have actually made literally zero effort to be on mm-hmm. any TV. I've never, made a t- I've never submitted a tape. Like, it's not like they were like, yeah. no, fuck you. I, never even, I wanted them to come to my house and be like, hey... <sighs> Hi, I'm Dave yeah. Letterman, and I'd like you to come do my
1: show. Yeah, and if you never try, you're not a failure, you right?
0: Know? I, and that's part of why I, totally I identify with that. So it, it had to become this, this new thing of like a new identification. I still struggle not to do it again now to fall back into that totally. of like, no, I can succeed. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm funny. I work
1: hard. Totally, and and I think that really comes with like self-talk. Like I was talking to my sponsor, and he's like every time you have a negative thought, I want you to say you love yourself. And I'm like, no, you're fucking gay, dude. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, like talking to myself as a friend is something that sometimes I'll get in the mode of it and it really helps. Or like being the friend to that child that could never have someone there for him. You know, I, I took a group talk to your inner child like therapy session with two friends and I had to get up and leave. Like I couldn't even verbalize what I was just like, I, I like, it couldn't even come out of my body, me talking to that kid. Cause I never saw that hurt little kid. And when I look at him and I see him and I want to hug him and I want to be there for him, that helps me to be there for myself to go, no, you do deserve good things. You do deserve things. And it's not a feeling of like, I deserve because Um, you know, like I, it's, it's not like a, I don't think it's a, um, selfish thing or like privileged thing of like, I deserve the world or like, you know, things should be handed to me, but it's like, no, you deserve to feel good. You deserve to feel wanted and loved and, and you deserve to take care of yourself in a way that makes you feel better so that you can be available to take care of others.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Hell yeah. Uh, No. And I've, I've, I've been working on the same thing. I mean, for years and still trying to work on it, that self sympathy and sympathy for us when we were younger or whatever. And now it's interesting because I have a nephew who's 12 and he has all the same anxiety and tics that I have. And, you know, and it's like, it is like looking at myself and to be like, Oh, it, it allows me to be like, Oh, this is not my fault. And none of this stuff is our fault. We're doing the best with, the brains we have and the environment that we grew up in. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not like, uh, you know, people that we perceive as doing better than us are better than us. They have different brains and different elements working in their favor. They grew up in different areas where whatever, whatever it is with different people. So we're doing our best with the hand we have been dealt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that also giving yourself credit for that and, and not living in the negative of like, I was dealt a bad hand. It's like, all right, fucking play the cards. And you're, you know, it's like poker, just keep it moving. You can't get upset or obsess over your last hand. You can't worry about your next. You just got to play the hand that you have. And uh, I, I try to, and some days I'm really fucking good at it. Some, sometimes I'm on a streak of being like, man, you were not that you're great, like in a grandiose way, but like you're doing good, man. You're doing good, buddy. Hey, pal, yeah. you're feeling good. You're doing great. But then, you know, like it'll be like good days and then bad weeks. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, it's trying to like balance that out. And I was talking to a friend. He's like, How long have you been in therapy? I was like, Four, five, five years. He's like, Man, you got to get rid of your therapy it doesn't work. And I'm like, no, That was like a thing that you do. For a while, but I was there, just fired my therapist, so you know I need to get a new one. But that's another uh, here nor there, you know. Yeah,
0: this is a good time to find a new therapist. They're all
1: wide open. I know they're all looking for. She was trying to, you know, jock me on some shit of like you need a an all day workshop that my friend who, if you knew who she was, you would sign up immediately. But it's two hundred dollars, uh, eight a.m. to five p.m., and I really think that it would just Put you to a new level. I'm like, oh, I don't need this fucking friendship Ponzi scheme. Okay. Right, right. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's it's hard when doctors all start doing that. They're like, you got to see this other guy. Yeah. But still see me also.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, another
0: yeah. guy that he'll. Yeah. Um, but uh anywho, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta wrap this up. But man, this was like a tremendous conversation. I hope you enjoyed. It. To me, it was tremendous. It did a yeah, lot for me, me so. as
1: well. I loved it, man. It was a, a great way to kick off the day. You know, I'm so glad we did it. <laughs> early-ish in the morning and uh i always love talking you, man this is just such a nice talk thank you oh,
0: thanks buddy i appreciate it and um yeah it was great and thanks for being so uh forthcoming and open and honest and i think a lot of people are gonna get a lot out of it hopefully great i hope so yeah man awesome thanks Ian. i
1: mindful metal jacket is hosted by comedian joe list Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive Producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts.